Welcome to Day Zero Update for June 27th, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Logie. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Dan Red Victorio. And yeah, we've got a busy week of news here. Uh, nothing too huge, but we did have a couple of events uh, for two of the bigger West uh, Japanese RPG franchises. At least in our art. <laughs> yeah. With uh, some uh, news of stuff happening here in the the next couple of months, uh, particularly a big convention happening that's uh, maybe not uh, doing the it the safest way it should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, there's some free upgrade stuff coming for the next, uh, for the new consoles. Mm-hmm. Here, a couple of games, uh, some... Uh, some demos you can check out and some DLC and such here. That is a uh, pretty neat as well as a tale of a press event gone wrong. And uh, at it least happened, it actually happened in Poland too, which, uh, yeah, that, that, that there's a, there's just a whole bunch of weird crap that goes into that story, but we'll yeah. get to that later. And, uh, Microsoft says, if you are fairly rich, uh, they got some monitors for you. To work with their new consoles, mm-hmm. if you are that desperate for <laughs> monitors to use for those things, yeah. But uh, before we get to that stuff, we'll talk about what we've been playing. I will start here. Uh, I checked out the the new Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance game mm-hmm. that is uh, out on uh, the PlayStation's, the Xboxes, PC. Uh, I played the Game Pass version. Mm. On uh, Xbox Series S, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's nothing jumped out at me immediately that at, at it being like a really good game. Uh, so when you start up, you pick a character. They're all preset D and D characters. Like the the first one is uh, Drist Dorden, mm-hmm. uh, like one of the the most popular characters yeah. in the D and D lore. Yep. There's a ranger, mm-hmm. which means you're stabbing dudes a lot. Yep. Dual wielded uh, swords, that's his deal. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't control well for what is a melee-focused character. Yeah, I, I, I've watched people play that game, and it looks like the major, like his basic attack is like a double sword swing, which you would think that dual wielding like that, you would, like, attack with like one sword at a time or something like that the weird thing is that the the control scheme is like souls like mm-hmm. so you know uh, R1 R2 for your light and heavy attacks mm-hmm. uh, but the controls are set up initially like a third person shooter mm-hmm. so when you're going to do attacks you have no control over you know the direction it's going the direction that the camera is facing mm-hmm. so you can't necessarily easily pivot as far right. as i've seen i might have uh missed something in the tutorial but it didn't seem like it uh, they have like a little arena thing that you can go through that, as they teach you the controls and then the yeah. beginning of the the first mission like runs you through them real quick anyway uh, mm-hmm. but yeah it's there are a lot of times where I'm trying to, you know, attack enemies, and you can lock on if you want, but the the range of his attacks it doesn't 
the melee doesn't necessarily like bring you over as mm-hmm. much as you might want. Uh, there is like a dodge that I guess you could do to make up for that, but I feel like if you're going to do this kind of game uh, and make it as good as it seems like it should be, it's they fell short of that. Yeah, loot you don't get until the end of the mission, uh, so you have to wait for a while uh, for that stuff. So I got a bunch of drops uh, from that first mission and you know couldn't use any of them. Uh, even though I don't know any of them really had are going to have that big of an impact, but uh, it's uh, a little bit annoying. But I know it's like a and D thing. You like pick up stuff and you maybe don't check it out until after the combat scenario you're in. Mm-hmm. But for here, that's the entire mission, which was like a good thirty minutes or so. Uh, for that, uh, there's a lot of collectible type stuff. You go around and you see like little you know, money purses. Like it was telling me to collect these mugs. I got seven of eight, so I was annoyed at that. Because uh, I think as yeah. soon as I beat the final boss, there was like two enemies. It was like a, a little dude and a big dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as that finished, it just auto-ended it. I just went to a cutscene and that kind of thing, so that was kind of uh, annoying. But yeah, it seems... It seems like an all right game. It's good as a Game Pass game in the terms of not having to put out any money to see that it's not a very good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think it's necessarily even in the uh, the Outriders uh, tier of pretty good game that uh, you might not have checked out otherwise. Because mm-hmm. uh, obviously the Dark Alliance name sort of has some cachet to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Baldur's Gate games on the PS2. Oh, yeah. That were sort of some of the early D&D or Diablo-like games on consoles that uh, people could check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this doesn't really have much of that vibe at all. Uh, at least I've seen the story stuff seems fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't have any D&D knowledge for lore or anything to get much of it other than, you know, Drizzt is a, a big-time character for it but yeah the because you got your you know light and heavy attacks you got like a ranged attack which you have to hold left trigger to aim and he throws like a spinning blade kind of attack that can you know go and hit enemies but it doesn't do much damage i mostly used it uh either to hit these explosive barrels uh stuff like that uh yeah just didn't really do too much on this i just saw an enemy just hanging around far away and I was like, I'll just, you know, throw a couple uh, shots at it. That kind of thing. Nothing really huge. Uh, What else? There's, uh, yeah, the dodge is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unless you kind of get around. There's no like stamina or anything that I've seen. So you're not necessarily limited to it other than, I think it only lets you do like a three or four times Mm. quick succession. The, The level wasn't, all that amazing. There's a couple times where I found like shortcuts that I didn't realize were shortcuts. Mm. Uh, it did have uh, a whole weird thing in this area where there were these uh, sections that had ice all in them. And if you mm-hmm. walked in them, you started taking damage and got slowed down. That was kind of annoying. Took a bit to realize what was going on. Mm. Uh, then uh, 
that's one of the other uses for the ranged attack was to kind of break the the bigger chunks that you can break because there are times some hidden chest behind there or something. Oh yeah, uh, that they like to do. But then you would have to find these. Uh, there's like a big sword. There's like flaming. They stood by that warmed you up, and then you could walk into the the ice areas to without mm-hmm. taking any damage for some amount of time. It never told you. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Didn't see any meters or anything. So a lot of stuff like that's just kind of weird to have uh, in it. And yeah, it just doesn't make a great first impression combat wise yeah. or anything like that. It just makes me want to put any more time into it. Mm. Uh, I did find it interesting to have achievements for like get a hundred hit combo or two hundred hit combo that I could just do in the uh, the main story hub. Yeah, because uh, you have you know the typical like dolls you can beat up, mm. test out your see your numbers and all that. Or if you just keep wailing on it until you hit two hundred, you get two achievements. Mm. It's not actual combat uh, combos that are needed. Funny. So I was just sitting there hitting it over and over again. I didn't even know these were achievements in one pop. And I was like, what? I was like, oh, is there another one? And yep, there was a 200, but I'd already let that combo end. So I just sat there and just did it again. I was like, okay, well, those are achievements I could get without any real effort. But yeah, so it's okay. Uh, I don't really recommend anybody checking it out unless you have you know people to play with or... Uh, you know, real investment in D&D lore. Yeah. Because this might add to that in some way, but as just a standard action RPG kind of game, mm. I got others I'd rather play. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of that, I played some Outriders, which got mm. a big update uh, within the past couple of days. One of the things was they literally doubled uh, the chances of getting a legendary drop. Hmm in the game because it was pretty low for what people liked. Mm-hmm. Especially for a game that's not a live service game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they did that and they added some more accessibility options and control options and such so you can have more control over like the dead zone, that kind of stuff, which means when I started the game uh, I hit the the right stick over and the camera seemed to spin around like 10 times in a second. Uh, because I had my sensitivity all the way up because it was a pretty uh, slow-moving camera. Mm-hmm. So when they did this update, now it just literally spins faster than anything I've ever seen before. Mm. Uh, like if you had somehow like a, a bug happen and you lost control while using the ca- the camera and it just kept spinning. Mm-hmm. It was like that. So I had to turn it down to like 5 out of 10 instead of 10 out of 10. And then even then it was still pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what the the whole thing with that was. Uh, but yeah, played some more of that. Got some nice drops. I guess they had the the player appreciation drop they had within the past couple of months. They just redid it again for people that maybe not played when they dropped it the first time. Mm-hmm. Which I was expecting some fancy thing I could pick up somewhere and I looked it up. It's like, no, they just drop a gun in your inventory. Yeah. So I had a a weird uh but good like shotgun uh like almost like an automatic shotgun kind of thing that did some pretty good damage but uh yeah worked my way through this uh this whole area still like that game still controls pretty well 
Luckily, mm. I haven't had the the bugs and such that people have had, but it seems like there's still a little bit of uh, bugginess there, but uh, still having a good time with that when I randomly check in. Uh, and I checked out some of the demos that were on the Xbox Summer Games Fest thing. Uh, did some videos of some of them. Uh, probably doing more for the ones that are still accessible. Uh, but some of the ones that I really liked, uh, there's Lake, which is which is set in, I think, 1986, I think September 1986, in mm-hmm. Oregon. As you're playing this woman named Meredith, I think it is. Uh, she is coming back. She grew up in this town. It's probably called Lake Oregon, I assume, uh, the town. But uh, she left for college and all that. New job, out of town. Her, and is coming back uh, for the first time in 22 years mm-hmm. uh, to take over her dad's uh, job as a mail carrier. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's going on vacation, and I guess because it's the 80s, they allow this sort of thing. Instead of just taking a vacation, somebody else at your job takes over. For yeah. Two weeks or whatever. Just like, uh, my daughter can do it, whatever. <laughs> They're just like, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so you end up taking that, and uh, each day you get like a, uh, like six or seven places to go, drop off mail or packages. Uh, so you're driving this uh, mail truck around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't necessarily drop anything off, you know, like uh, you know, like driving up to the mailbox. You have to actually get out. So you have to find a place to park. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a package, you have to go to the back of your truck to pick out the specific object. So you have to pay attention to the address you have for it to give the right thing to the right person. Uh, and usually the packages is where you meet people and you talk to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one you meet is this uh, weird cat woman. Yeah. Who has a cat named Genevieve, and I guess it's a name she gives to a new cat every time the old one dies. Mm-hmm. So she just kind of replaces it with the new Genevieve. Yeah. Uh, so you have this weird conversation with that, and you give her a package, which is clearly a teddy bear uh, wrapped in, you know, like uh, gift packaging, gift wrapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can, like, mention it. It's like, oh, this looks like a nice teddy bear. It's like, why are you being so nosy? It's like, I'm not blind. I can see what it is without having to unwrap it. And you can get real nasty with her if you want. Uh, but it seems like that's a lot of what the game is. Uh, you run into some people from your past, uh, old friends, people that knew your parents and knew you when you were a kid, that kind of stuff. Uh, it seems like a nice, chill game. And I guess if uh, you finish up your route, you mm-hmm. just drive it back to the... Uh, the post office. Uh, one way you can do that is uh, why don't we just drive the the truck into the lake? Because mm-hmm. uh, it just auto uh, reloads you back at the post office. So you can do something weird like that to uh, kind of break the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's pretty nice for what it is. Nice chill game. Seems like I'm not sure when that's going to be out, but that's uh, one to keep an eye on. Uh, there's Echo Generation, which is a uh, sort of uh, retro-style RPG, kind of in the like Paper Mario or uh, Super Mario RPG kind of style, uh, where it has sort of a rhythm aspect to the the battle system, mm-hmm. uh, where you you know you pick an attack, 
and you can hit it at the right time, you get extra damage, that kind of stuff. Same for defense. Hit at the right time, you can block uh, all of the damage or maybe like take one point of damage. Uh, but it has a really nice kind of voxel art style to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, set in the early 90s. Uh, so it's kind of that kind of thing. Uh, kind of has a feel of like a Stranger Things, but you know, early 90s. Mm-hmm. As uh, you kind of get this uh, team together, which initially is just you and your sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it has some nice uh, nice ways of exploring the, the world, picking up stuff. Uh, you can find items that you're like, oh, this probably goes over to this person. Uh, do some quick like little mini quest type stuff. Yeah. The battle stuff you mostly do early on is with raccoons. Mm-hmm. You find them like stuck in a trash can, that kind of thing. And they can actually talk to you. Yep. And they threaten you, that kind of stuff. Uh, so there's a lot of neat stuff with that one. Um, definitely looking forward to that. I think that'll be on Game Pass whenever it's launching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last one here, Lawn Mowing Simulator. Uh, yeah. I mentioned playing this before. When it was a beta for the Insiders program on Xbox One. Mm-hmm. On uh, Series X and S. Uh, that uh, still works out pretty well. Mm-hmm. They fixed some of the, the weird issues I had before, where if you switched from... Uh, Imperial to metric or metric to imperial would occasionally bug out some of the UI stuff. I was telling you like, oh, you have to have your blade at this height uh, for this gig, that kind of thing. Uh, or it would stay in metric mm-hmm. when you're on inches. It's like, well, this isn't, doesn't work at all. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, otherwise, it's seems like a, another kind of nice chill game. The only real issue is that the the audio is, you know, just a lawnmower. So it's kind of uh, a thing where I would probably turn it down most of the way. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to listen to a mower for, you know, 10, 20 minutes for however long a, a job takes. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. But uh, it runs well. Nice little chill game. Seems like it's going to be pretty cool whenever it launches. So, And uh, that's been pretty much it for me. How about you, Brandon? Yeah. Uh, well, I finished playing um, the, ge- the mystery game that I had been having to uh, keep quiet about until the review embargo ended, but that review embargo ended on Friday, so I can reveal it was uh, Disgaea 6, uh, which I now have my uh, my review up on uh, smashpad.com. You can go read with a little bit of help from Banrep to getting pictures for it because there weren't a whole lot of screenshots that we could use at the time of writing. So, uh, you know, thanks for that, Dan Rep. But, um, yeah, it's... I've played the Disgaea games since the very beginning, and as I talk about in the uh, review, as, you know, if you're if you're a Disgaea fan, then you'll probably still like this one, but if this is, like, a game that you're wanting to get into the series with, you're not going to want to start with this one. Um, there are a bunch of things that changed with this game that I am don't necessarily hate, but I don't necessarily like either. The biggest, most obvious one is that they changed all of the character models over to three dimensions instead of the original pixelated uh, models that they used. And 
somehow the characters still manage to not they somehow don't emote as well as they did when the they use the original pixels because even if it was pixels and they were limited in the amount of animation they could use, they could still show a lot of emotion even with those limitations. But because of these three-dimensional character models they use, a lot of which have kind of a chibi look to them, it just kind of, there's a lot that's kind of lost in the transition is what I'm going to say. Also, just as far as like the story goes, it's really not as good as uh, Disgaea 5's or any of the previous ones were, mostly because it's based entirely around this uh, concept of using super reincarnation to go from one universe to another. And it all goes with a pattern, because like the whole sort of story is that you're playing a zombie named Zed, and zombies are like one of the lower tier, you know, monster classes in the Disgaea franchise. Um, but this Zed is super duper strong, and the reason is he's basically been able to use super reincarnation to live 10,000 lifetimes so that he can kill this thing called the God of Destruction. The problem is the God of Destruction is basically indestructible. So it takes extreme amounts of pers- of strength to be able to even hurt it. And that that sort of arc continues through the game. Um, so every sort of chapter goes through, go to a new universe, uh, do some stuff, then you fight the God of Destruction, then die, then super reincarnate, then go into another universe. And because the way this happens, you never really settle long enough in any one of these particular universes to really care, really. It's nothing but set dressing, and that's that's just, you know, the previous Disgaea games have had much better world building. I'll just put it that way. Um, there's also some other things, too, like uh, Disgaea, the Disgaea games are notorious for being one of those simulation RPGs that you really have to grind on. And, you know, it wasn't as bad previously because, well... Because they had different ways that you could go about it. But the problem is, here, instead of trying to maybe fix the leveling a bit so that grinding isn't as much of a chore, what they instead did is they came up with this idea where you can auto-battle. So that you can basically auto-battle and then speed up, and then you can just do that one battle over and over again and just get a whole bunch of experience points. There's, like, other issues as well. That's It's not the only one. But, um, yeah, just read my review, basically. Um, Yeah, I'm seeing screenshots for this, comparing the... It apparently has performance modes, like a a PS5 game. um, I played all on the graphics mode, and... I myself did not experience like any major animation errors, but I did have point parts where it would like stutter to a halt if I was like auto battling and having it go too fast and like too much was happening on screen. It would like suddenly um, grind to a stop and then it would take like a half second or so to, I guess, rebuffer itself before it could go back to functioning again. Um, yeah, and then the performance mode looks really rough. It does. Like it, as they yeah. 
Joe cares. It looks like he rubbed a stick of butter on the screen or something like that to even bother to try and it's really jarring especially when the the ui is like high res it is and the characters all look super blurry and it's like this looks like it should have been on a ps4 or ps5 so you could have just super high res models Mm -hmm. that look really nice ps4 version that's supposed to come out over here on in the west later um i mentioned that's where it'll have its best shot to look really nice Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's uh, I I tried to play a little bit uh, with the uh, other modes, and it just it it it, it I couldn't take it. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't look good. But uh, yeah, um, but since you know I got that, I decided you know what I've been wanting to play this a lot, and. Every, I've, there's been a bunch of times where I've sort of like tried to start playing it, but I kept having issues. But uh, I've been playing uh, Genshin Impact for real this time, um, like seriously. I've had a couple other times where I've like, you know, loaded the app onto my PS4 and like I either had to uh, delete it immediately afterwards because the data got corrupted during the downloading process or uh, I had it come on and it you know, the app loaded fine, and then you started it, and then there would be a networking error when it was going onto uh, the server. And then there was that one time where it basically corrupted so much data that I had to reinitialize my PS4. (laughs) But I don't have any of those issues anymore. I'm now playing the game for real now, seriously, and yeah, I totally understand why this game is so popular. Um... It's very obvious that the amount of inspiration they took from Breath of the Wild, like almost immediately, um, yeah. the uh, the you know that like even just the the painterly direction they use for environment designs, uh, the sort of the energy mechanic for you know when you're climbing or gliding itself, another Breath of the Wild thing, the cooking mechanic which. Uh, isn't as time-consuming, but it's still definitely there. Um, yeah, it's a lot better, because once you make, like, five or ten of the items, you can just hit a button to... Yeah, you instantly. Get, yeah, and uh, also, like, the environmental damage, like, the thing where, you know, you set a piece of grass on fire and the surrounding grass will also burn. Surrounding, it, that is... So Breath of the Wild, it almost looks like they completely lifted it out of the game. Yeah, when you get to uh, decide when you fight, you know, elemental enemies. Yeah, use because you have a whole party of people, different elements. Hopefully, you can use that to exploit weaknesses, that kind of stuff. But uh, damn me if it doesn't work. <laughs> because it is genuinely a very entertaining game. It is far better than it has any right to be. Um, And, like, you know, the actual, like, story, like, it's not terribly, um, you know, groundbreaking. It's fairly cliche, but it uses those cliches pretty well. And um, a lot of the characters, I mean, they got a damn good character designer. And, you know, I I have been told that because, you know, this is a free-to-play game, you know, there there is going to be a point, supposedly, where the gotcha parts start coming in, and there's, like, a wall that I'll hit. 
But supposedly that wall doesn't come until you're like 40 to 60 hours well into the game. So. Yeah, and if you do the events that are going on, the, the live events that will usually get you closer to getting new characters as you go. Yeah. Without having to do too much grinding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and yeah, I mean, combat is fun, too. Um, and there's different ways you can go about it. So, again, you know, you, 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 there are points where I have to remind myself, this is a free-to-play game. Because, I'll be completely honest, if they put this game out for like a, like as like a $40 release, they probably would sell a hell of a lot of copies. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a damn good game. I see myself playing this for a while. <laughs> Um, at least until, you know, I get to the point where I know the post-game content kind of dries up, but, uh, yeah, that's what I've been playing, so, uh, Dan Rimble, what about you? Yeah, I have not been playing a whole lot, to be honest, uh, I just got back from the Pacific Northwest, uh, traveling with family, so, the only games I've oh. actually been playing are, um, uh, <laughs> World's End Club, which happened on the plane, as well as, uh, some Animal Crossing, so that's about it, uh, I've been playing the Heat Wave game. Because I left yeah. the Bay Area heat wave and went to Seattle, and they experienced the worst heat wave they've had in uh, decades. So, yeah, like it's I think uh, like they uh, I think it's like the worst they've had, not necessarily since they started uh, keeping records. Because I mean, there was at least one other heat wave they had like decades ago, similar to it, but. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to go off on a tangent with it, but uh, I had my very first conversation with uh, Bill Trinan on Twitter because uh, he lives in the area, and he's like, "Oh man, like, uh, you wouldn't believe this, this, this kind of heat." And he recommended I, I go to the Cascades, which I did. And um, anyway, yeah, yeah um, they're they're in uh, triple digit temperatures right now, and this hasn't happened since 1921. So yeah. um, all of this stuff that actually this has made national news. Like uh, the mm-hmm. Pacific Northwest hasn't seen this weather at all, so it's a big deal. Um, yesterday, actually, I walked two I walked two miles uphill to go to from from Chinatown to uh, this Filipino place I wanted to check out, and mm-hmm. they were closed due to extreme heat. And I was like, I have never seen that before. Like people talk shit about Californians and not being able to deal with rain. Yeah, these folks in Seattle can't deal with heat. So keep in mind a lot. Of- Folks don't have AC either because they've never really needed it. Oh, yeah. I don't have it either. Yeah, it's like, damn. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but yeah, that, that, that's pretty much been that. Um, I have played a little bit more World's End Club, which I mentioned earlier, um, and, I, and I didn't play a whole lot before. So uh, during those two or three hours on the plane, um, it's, it's pretty much been... Uh, pretty been it, It's been linear. Uh, you have the ability to start the game either at the beginning or uh, in the middle, and the middle is pretty much after the demo that that took place. And apparently, uh, which I didn't realize, World's End Club was also a mobile game. So like, there's also like some gameplay there that like um, I didn't notice until like I was told about it. So I understand some of its nuances. But yeah, so far it's been pretty linear, and uh, unlike uh, uh, any of the uh, uh, Virtue's Last Reward or anything like that, I know that those uh, those those puzzles definitely have. Um, specific ways of solving them uh but this one definitely feels um a little bit more pity in that regard like there's like 10 10 uh, kid characters in the game and it feels like the game just uh um requires all of them to talk when they don't really need to and you know it gives it it's it's its own charm but uh so far it's all just been pretty adolescent uh although i am enjoying it so i'll say that much uh other than that that's all i got all right yeah, so 
Let's get to some news here. Uh, there is uh, some new stuff on the Epic Game Store. Mm-hmm. Grab for free. Yep. Uh, definitely recommend checking out these two games. There's Horizon Chase Turbo as well as Sonic Mania. Mm-hmm. They'll be free until uh, July 1st on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, definitely worth uh, checking out both of them. I think they're games that uh, many of us here have enjoyed greatly. Especially Sonic Mania, even if some of the level design is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> That's Sonic mm-hmm. as a whole. So, And Horizon Chase Turbo is kind of a retro-style arcade racing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think specifically uh, designed to be like uh, Top Gear on the Super Nintendo, uh, even with the composer doing music for it. Mm-hmm. So all that kind of stuff there. Uh, well worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next one's a little bit of a sad one. Uh, a former Bethesda developer uh, who is now, I think, the studio director for Cappy Games. Yeah. Uh, announced that his dog, Rivers, has passed away. Uh, who Rivers, might... Yeah, for Rivers don't know, he was the model for dog meat in Fallout 4. Yep. Uh, instead of uh, eulogizing her on his Twitter he kind of, you know, writes a bit about making donations to uh, various groups, uh, the ASPCA, HSIG, mm-hmm. the Humane Society, uh, and other local groups and such that uh, work on uh, helping animals, uh, whether it's in regards to cruelty, uh, abuse, uh, rescuing them, finding good owners for them, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just kind of wrote wrote a, a big long Twitter thread here about uh, how Rivers came to be in Fallout Four. Yeah. Uh, yeah, saying she was the antidote to my biggest worry for the dog meat character, a canine weapon, and nothing more. We wanted his companion first and a combat ally second, which makes sense because the dog uh, doesn't really do a ton in combat. It's kind of more of a mule. In a sense of just loading items onto the dog to carry around for you so you can carry more shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, does a good job of that, but often gets, you know, swarmed by enemies, mm-hmm. uh, taken out, and then just magically heals once you take care of them. Uh, but yeah, they, he said, we'd started by researching some quote unquote professional dogs, but film and her police training mm-hmm. lets the games go this route for good reason. But in the end, we didn't. Uh, yeah. Uh, I said, I remember the Catalyst, an eager new member. He joined the dog meat team. I visited their desk a day or so later. Research covered the walls. Counts mm-hmm. images of German shepherds snarling, all teeth, attack postures. Within a day or two, River started visiting the studio. River attended countless meetings, but not just to be poked, prodded, recorded, and filmed as reference. Her biggest job was just to be with the team. And yeah, kind of became the studio dog. Uh, the dog meat team was just a handful of us early on as we restore our hearts. Around the studio, however, more and more folks found ways to pitch in and help bring her personality into the game. She was more than a mascot mm-hmm. and inspiration. She was part of the team. So, yeah. Yep. Goes a bit longer. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of good info. If you uh, like to hear about dogs and games and how this particular one became a big part of Fallout 4. Yeah. yeah. Like, Dog Meat's one of the first uh, party members that you can get. Yeah, I think the first one. Yeah. 
As you find them, I think, near the gas station. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. They were great, worth uh, reading that whole Twitter thread, if you want to learn mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Uh, let's get to some releases. Uh, we talked about in the Sonic Central stream that there was a weird hint at some sort of Sonic DLC for Minecraft. Mm-hmm. And we got the first look at that as it had uh, released uh, earlier this week. Yeah. Uh, it's a DLC pack. I'm not sure what the price is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the neat thing is it essentially gives you uh, a hub space that is Sonic themed. That is uh, Tails Lab uh, with uh, portals that take you to uh, their versions of classic levels that mm-hmm. play like Sonic. You can run fast. You can collect, you know, square rings, even spin dash, that kind of stuff. Uh, jump around, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, really big uh, change in the way typical sort of this kind of DLC is done in Minecraft. Uh, so if you're into that, you can grab that now. Uh, they mm-hmm. got yeah levels like Green Hill Zone, uh, complete with the appropriate sound effects, music, and enemies. That kind of thing. So it might end up this being the best uh, 3D Sonic game in a long time. <laughs> if ever. Yeah. Uh, and it's based on Minecraft, a game famous for not being any kind of competent platformer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I guess there's also going to have some sort of event going on here in the near future. A 2 yeah. server hub takeover. For the Hive, which is a minigame server, that's going to have new Sonic content there, so uh, you can check that out. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to see if there's a price here. Nope. But, uh, yeah, check it out. Also mm. out now is a demo for Neo, The World Ends With You. Mm-hmm. It came out on Friday for the PS4 and Switch, so you can check that out uh, yeah. a month early before it launches, and your progress will carry over to the final game. Yeah. I need to get hey, right there. The progress carries over. I am downloading it right now and looking yeah. forward to playing it. The thing is, though, I never played um, The World Ends With You outside of the DS, so I'm kind of worried about how like the game will actually control, but we'll see. If I remember correctly, the original game, like that was only a game that could exist on the DS because its control scheme was specifically engineered towards it. Like it's, yeah, and, and and since then it's come out on mobile as well as uh, PS4 and Switch, which, again, I haven't played any of, any of those, so it should be interesting to see. We'll see. I'm going to load it on my uh, PS4 tonight and give it a shot. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I've seen some people saying good things about it, so hopefully that is the case. But uh, we'll see. Uh, let's see. Also, coming to... Uh, the PS5 and Xbox Series X and S on June 30th, later this week, is mm-hmm. Greedfall. Yeah. Uh, with a free upgrade, as well as a... I'm trying to see what it's called. It's a, a gold edition that has the new big campaign. Yeah. Uh, the DeVespe conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can get the base version for free if you already own it on the Xbox or PlayStation 4. Yeah. And uh, transfer your save over and all that. Yeah. Uh, I've, so I, I've actually played Greedfall. Um, I didn't finish it, but I played some of it. Um, and 
The thing I remember about that game, well, there's a couple of things I remember about that game. One is that um, it is, it's it's definitely an example of a janky uh, sort of Bioware light type game. Um, it's definitely competent, but it's got, you know, it, I mean, it's it's an Eastern European RPG, so you know what that entails. Um, there's going to be a little jank, and there's going to be some uh, technical issues here and there. Um, the other thing I remember is that its world building is really all over the place. Um, the basic idea is that Greedfall is sort of like a fantasy version of like the Age of Sail, and you're essentially living in what is sort of this universe's version of London, and you're getting ready to get on a boat to travel over to the New World, or at least this version, this world's version of the New World. But the way they go about like building up the societies based around is so bizarre. Um, there's like these two competing superpowers, other than the sort of London type place you're in. There's one that's like super duper religious, and there's another that's like super duper scientific. And the one that's super duper religious takes a lot of its imagery from uh, the Christian world, uh, especially a lot of it from the Puritan and Anglican part, except for their priests, which for some reason are dressed like conquistadors. And then, on the other hand, you've got the science people, and they're all sort of based around, like, the Islamic Golden Age, except you wouldn't know that at first by the way they're dressed. And because uh, they wear, like, these odd helmets. Um, and then there's these people who are the, uh, primarily are, like, the Sailor's Guild or whatever, and they basically have facial tattoos like the Maori. And then you get on the ship and you go over to the New World, but the New World is basically inhabited by people who are kind of like Gaelic, Scottish, or Irish travelers. It's really weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it, like I said, it's, it's world building is just all over the place. Um, but it's, uh, I, wouldn't, I, I, would, I wouldn't say you shouldn't play it. It's definitely an experience. You should try it at least once, but... Whether or not you'll be able to, you know, follow through with it is another thing, because it's still got a lot of, like, if you've played Dragon Age Origins and remember how janky some of that is, it's very similar. Yeah, it's it's a developer that has been kind of in that uh, realm of game before. So they've made uh, spiders, they made yep. stuff like Mars Warlogs, Bound by Flame, Technomancer... Yep. So yeah, like where it's kind of very much that kind of Euro jank. Yeah, to it. kind of. Be, they're kind of a B tier RPG game creator. Yeah, uh, lots That's of plays, but not a big budget. <laughs> yeah, not a huge budget, and not a huge amount of polish to mm -hmm. it. Yeah, uh, which is fine. They're good to check out, especially at like a cheaper price. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing, or on a or if you got, P or if you got PS now, like I do, because pretty much all of those games are available on there. Yeah, on PlayStation Now or Game Pass, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that'll be uh, free to upgrade here later this week. Yeah, on a Wednesday, so you can check it out if you haven't already. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you have, you know, 
you can play it and see if it's uh, any more polished. Mm-hmm. At least it should run better from the way it looks. It should. Uh, also happening, or not happening, uh, there was supposed to be a weird like PS5 app for the game Abandoned, mm-hmm. uh, which is the, the game that a ton of people on the internet believe is a uh, Hideo Kojima game. Yeah. Uh, through all these weird conspiracies such that are going on. Mostly because, I mean, it's it, anybody who knows anything about Kojima knows he's done stuff like this before, but as it turns out, no, it's not a Kojima joint. It's something it's else. A, it's a game from a small studio. Yep. Uh, they announced at the, the last minute that it's been delayed, this reveal app, which I think was supposed to let you essentially uh, walk around in the area from the initial teaser trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sort of uh, check that out and see the, the world there. Yeah. Uh, so... They announced they're pushing that back. They're going to do a full reveal uh, in uh, August with a full trailer and all that to go alongside the app. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, that'll be happening here in another month or so. Mm. People interested in that and the the people that let themselves get trolled constantly Mm -hmm. uh, because they want to keep this conspiracy thing going on. Mm. Yeah, that's one thing um, I don't understand why the industry constantly keeps doing, or not not the industry, but like you know the fans in general. I mean, like, yeah, this is a really really small studio, so to think that they'd control your hype in such a way that you know they'd have like such theories is just mind boggling to me. Um, <laughs> not to mention, I'm pretty sure, like, as vague as Kojima is, um, he'd he'd say if he was on this. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, and this is kind of, people be like, oh, this is what they did for Phantom Pain. It's like, yeah, and it doesn't necessarily seem like a Kojima thing to redo the same gimmick. Yeah. Uh, a second time. He finds new ways of doing weird things. Mm-hmm. If that's what he's going to do. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's probably not going to be the thing that people are expecting. Mm-hmm. I want to see if they uh, have bad reactions to that the way they shouldn't or whatever, but let's get to something else. That's uh, actually probably going to be a bad thing to happen here. Uh, PAX mm-hmm. West is going to be happening here on the weekend of September 3rd. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be an in-person event, mm-hmm. which seems pretty soon for that. Uh, but they also have not uh committed to any sort of vaccine requirement for this thing. Not yet, anyway. Yeah, they've said they are going to adhere to detailed health and safety guidelines, which are said to be revealed before the September show takes place, which uh, doesn't make any sense to wait on that stuff. Mm-hmm. I know because mandates and such can change quickly, but uh, people are going to be expected to buy tickets and, you know, hotel rooms and such well ahead of that they should have guidelines you know in place before then instead of waiting on this stuff event coordinators are supposedly working with venue officials local governments and health authorities to determine total capacity which will be reduced and ensure a safe setting but yeah pax is well known as a uh, disease uh, incubation center uh, the Pax Pox, 
that people typically come down with some sort of illness uh, after being around a bunch of people and a bunch of people that typically don't uh, have the sa- the the best hygiene. Mm-hmm. And you'd think with maybe at this point like eighteen months worth of uh, encouragement to you know wash your hands and all this kind of shit, mm-hmm. they people probably still wouldn't be that great. Mm. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, hopefully not an event that's going to have a body count to it afterwards. Yeah, cross your fingers. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like um, most of the stuff we can say can it's probably better better left to um, what's called next weekend or uh, this weekend or sorry, sorry, left weekend. And um, honestly, like as as someone that literally just came from Seattle, um, I can tell you that uh, it's really been a fifty fifty. Um, as far as like social distancing and mask wearing goes, um, as we know, like a lot of uh, the United States has already um, removed their restrictions in, in regards to uh, what the CDC has uh, told us to do. And mm-hmm. as for like requiring vaccinations, like it's really, really hard. I mean, like I've already been through a few sporting events. Like I, I've gone to a Warriors game. Like, yeah, yeah, they will ask you for your vaccination card, but like. Um, the, the worst thing about it is the fact that, you know, they don't size it like a regular card you can fit in your wallet. It's not, it, it's not the easiest thing to lug around. Um, yeah. With packs, it, it probably would be a little easier because, like, the lanyard holder is actually the perfect size for a form like that. But you know what? You lose your vaccination thing and you're, you're fucked. And, uh, you know, you, you, you wouldn't want to go get it again. Or, or, I mean, you could, but you, you wouldn't want to. And then um, I don't know, like, what kind of documentation that... Uh, uh, event planners can have like to to really prove that you're vaccinated or whatnot. And the thing with Seattle uh, in particular is, um, I think of something like 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 uh, Pike's Place. And for those of you not familiar, Pike's Place is probably the biggest farmers market in the United States. Um, it's one of Seattle's main tourist attractions. Like they have everything from like a fisherman's wharf to uh, uh, outdoor and indoor eating things like that. You, um, anything multicultural is is headed in that center and. Um, I did see a whole bunch of um, uh, social distancing markers on the ground, but uh, they're 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 no longer enforced. Um, I don't know if that's a statewide thing uh, because, like, um, as the article states, like uh, Seattle was actually one of the first to cancel their events um, uh, in regards to like the pandemic first occurring last year. Like, you know, they they canceled packs, which led to a trickle uh, a trickle effect with uh, the rest of the industry's events as well as like events in general. So. You know, it's it's tough to say. Um, obviously, with the, with the vaccines rolling out in the United States the way they are, um, <clears throat> people will have to like let their guard down to even see if it's really working. Um, is this something that I'd want to go to at this point in time? Definitely not. No, I would I, I would say I'd wait one more year. But yeah, I I totally get it, especially with like the the rising costs and lack of uh, uh, deposits for holding an event like this. It it, it totally makes sense. But yeah. Um, all I can say is cross your fingers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it seems like a smart thing for them to have would be a uh, a way to get like a virtual ticket mm-hmm. to at least get, you know, uh, some bonus items, uh, maybe early access to merch, that kind of stuff. They could sell mm-hmm. online, you know, and maybe some other ways to watch the the panels and such. Yeah, because like the the main thing with packs as 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 uh, compared to things like E3 or uh, GDC is that is the fact that packs is pretty much fan led. 
Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the demos that uh, gamers actually get their hands on are the E3 demos. So it's not like um, uh, companies are really going out of their way to really make to really make sure that the gamers have something new because it's going to be new to them, but it's not going to be new to like uh, enthusiasts who have already seen like gameplay demos before. Um, so you know what I like? I would definitely like to see um, like a lot of the demos that were taken off of. Uh, the Xbox event to come back and things of that sort. But I don't know like who's actually uh, willing to work with these people in order to make that happen. But um, what you mentioned about like, you know, holding digital cues for things like merchandise, that's definitely stuff that uh, we should be able to do, but you know, uh, who's to say that they'll actually work. But in all honesty, like we, we go to the uh, fans, go to these events to, you know, um, just be with each other as well as like, you know, waste their money on <laughs> various merch and because I, I I know I have and um yeah, like if, if if I could buy it online versus standing in line for six hours to get one shirt, I'd do that. Mm. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it's also gonna be interesting to see who is gonna be a part of this as far as, you know, developers and such. Because mm -hmm. this is pretty sudden uh to get things ready. Uh, for this kind of thing, so I imagine probably mostly indies, but they would also seem like the the sort to be the most likely to not go to these sort of events. They don't have to, so I don't know. Yeah, if I were to take a gander, I would I would say that anybody willing to even have like a gameplay demo there would just be contracting third party like event runners to do it. I don't really imagine anybody actually working at the company to be there. Yeah, that'll be weird to see. Uh, sort of what uh, what boosts they have. Yeah, uh, the one thing that I do want to see is, um, you know, for the bigger guys like you know Gamespot, IGN, G four, even like, will they have a presence? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, stuff we'll have to see as this thing is going to be happening here in just over two months. Uh, but let's get to some more news. Uh, we got another upgrade here coming this fall: Kerbal Space mm -hmm. Program Enhanced Edition for the. For the PS4 and Xbox One versions, up to the PS5 and Xbox Series X and S. Mm -hmm. uh, the game itself will be $40 if you don't already own it, but the free upgrade for the others. Uh, let's see, it'll be able to run at 1440p on PS5 and Xbox Series X, uh, mm -hmm. 1080p on Series S. Uh, yeah, improved resolution, frame rates, advanced shaders, better textures, additional performance improvements. And yeah, it should be a more stable game because it's kind of a very intensive game mm -hmm. uh, to have. So that'll be uh, fun to see how that looks. And they also confirmed that Kerbal Space Program 2 is also going to be coming to the new consoles when it launches sometime next year mm -hmm. uh, alongside the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. So that'll be fun. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Let's get to a couple of events here. Uh, the thing that just happened... Earlier today, uh, there's a Mana 30th anniversary event. Mm -hmm. Sort of covering a few things. Uh, most, it was like half of these things were mobile games. There's a port of Trials of Mana coming to the uh, mobile space for 24 bucks. Mm -hmm. uh, the one that's uh, pretty interesting is one called Echoes of Mana, which is sort of an all-stars action RPG with some characters from each of the games uh, that you can kind of uh, play together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and check that out. Uh, I think that's happening. Not sure when they got. That's for next year. Uh, but coming to the West at the same time as Japan, France, Germany, 
China and Korea. So, mm. all right, get it to uh, their free to play and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Legend of Mana is also part of this, uh, which just launched. Uh, but the the big news is that they're going to be doing an update sometime this fall to bring the original font to the game. Because I assume it's a very mobile font style look mm. to it, like like the other Square Enix games, uh, Pretty much. Masters. Uh, which will be good to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've heard mostly good things about that port. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, as well as the big news is that there is a new Mana game in the works mm-hmm. uh, for the consoles. No specifics announced there. When or what consoles. Uh, but they did say that they are going to have a trailer at some point. Uh, producer Masaru Oyamata said uh, we wanted to announce it by running a cool trailer but we're only at the start of the 30th anniversary but we are in fact developing a new title but please wait a little while longer until the proper announcement although we did have uh, Mana Series creator Koichi Ishii uh, take a look at the edit a little bit ago we're at that level of development so please look forward to it development still has some ways to go we're developing for consoles so I hope you can look forward to it that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey. Hey. Yeah, it's pretty surprising that they're uh, doing an- another mana game so quickly after Trials. I mean, I still have that game shrink-wrapped, which, you know, if you know me, isn't, isn't a surprise. But it's good to know that they're already uh, putting more focus into uh, expanding the series when we've seen it dormant for so long, because that means Trials actually did well. Yeah, because uh, that freaking series, I mean, that thing was pretty much on the back burner until they decided to put out Trials. Yeah, I mean, second Densetsu 3 was like something that was always like, like like an afterthought. It was a joke, and now we have it here in multiple forms. It's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just glad this shows that, you know, those types of old RPG games, that there's still a market for them. And Square Enix is kind of coming around to understand that if you put it out in a way that isn't complete shit, that people will buy it. Sort of. They're getting there. Hmm to realizing that but yeah good to see them kind of investing in that uh series a bit more mm-hmm. uh but let's get to the other event here it's a neon Falcom uh event so we're celebrating the anniversary of the of their company i think and the uh the trails original trails games mm-hmm. uh, or legend of heroes games i guess back then yep uh those games have been around for quite a while, but not. Oh yeah, really to the level of what the the recent franchise has been. That was like fifteen years ago with the PSP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the event was pretty much a celebration of like you know uh, forty years of of their games. Um, and as as uh, well, at least all of us on our staff know that you know they've 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 def- definitely been around. Um, even before uh, the Trails games, there was Legend of Heroes, and there was even East, which is still going on strong. Uh, East 9 is definitely one of the best games I've played this year. And, um, yeah, but this uh, concert was primarily uh, East and uh, Trails music, and what really set this one apart from everything else is the fact that this was catered toward Western audiences. So, that being said, we knew there was some stuff coming, and we found out. We found out a, a little too early, but at the end of the day, we still found out. 
Yeah. Yeah. So they announced four games coming to the West, all of them games that have been kind of stuck in uh, Japan. Yeah. Uh, for the past, I don't know what the oldest one here is, but it's like 10 years worth of games. Yeah. This one came out September 2010 in Japan for the PSP. Except for one of them. One of them is actually the newer one. Um, is it the, the one that's not technically a Legend of Heroes? Yes, uh, Re- uh, Reverie was uh, the newer one, but when okay. we say newer, um, I mean, their their latest game is coming out like in a month or so, so it'll eventually be outdated as well. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we got, let's see, Trails from Zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, these are all coming to PS4, Switch, and PC in the West. Uh, yeah. This one, still a ways away, Fall 2022. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the first one. And the other three are all 2023. Yeah. There's Trails to Azure. Yeah. There's The Legend of Nayuta, Boundless Trails. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think it's the only one that's not tied to any of the other like trilogies and such. Yeah. Uh, there's Legend of Heroes, Trails into Reverie. Which is kickstarting the new story arc. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So where do these games take place in the timeline? Well, yeah. t- from Zero and Tail and Trails Trails from Zero and Trails to Azure are part of the Crossbell arc. Um these are the ones that take place kind of after, but also sort of at the same time as the uh Liberal story arc, so the Trails in the Sky games. Mm. They all they pretty much take place at the same time as uh Trails of Cold Steel one and two. Oh, alright. Yeah. Sorry, I my Timelines are screwed up, but yeah, uh, it takes place mostly in Crossbell. Uh, Crossbell, for those of you who've played uh, Cold Steel by this point, um, because Cold Steel Three, <laughs> Cold Steel Three and Four, especially. Um, mm-hmm. Probably you, you've only gotten to experience Crossbell from those games, but these games take place in t- mostly entirely in Crossbell and Crossbell is essentially like an independent city-state that, well, I say independent. It's a city-state that's sort of like in between uh, where Laboral and Air, the Erebonian Empire and the Republic are all sort of, it's sort of centered in the middle of all of them. It's basically kind of like Singapore, <laughs> basically. Um, and then during, if you remember, you know, during the Cold Steel uh, arc, the Erebonian arc, uh, Crossbell ends up trying to declare independence, and the Erebonians come in and annex it. And that's like a big plot point in the third Trails game. This is all kind of happening the same time as Cold Steel is. Um, at least the first two games. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it, the overall kind of feel is different because Crossbell is much more technologically advanced than... Uh, either Arabonia or Liberal are. They've got lots more computers and firearms and stuff are a bit more readily available, stuff like that. A um, bit more kind of a police procedural type of feel to it. Um, yeah, because- the, uh, the uh, first three games in the Trail series uh, that, that took place in Liberal, uh, Chosen the Sky, SC, and the third, um, they had more of a medieval t- uh, tone because the, the kingdom of Liberal was primarily like, you know... Um, a fantastical uh, medieval uh, continent. Whereas when you move on to Trails of Cold Steel, that's pretty much the Industrial Revolution. You know, you're, you're, you're seeing things like trains, you're seeing people move on from swords to guns and yeah. things of that sort. And then with um, 
with with, with Crossbell, uh, like like uh, Brandon said, there was a there, there, there there's there's definitely an, an a, a different focus on technology. So you're seeing cars, you're seeing cell phones, and things like that. And I said, uh, it, there's also they're culturally different too. Liberal definitely. is meant to be very much like a sort of a uh, sort of a. Uh, Kind almost kind of like a Nordic sort of constitutional monarchy, kind of like Sweden or Switzerland. But Erebonia is very much supposed to be like Prussia, specifically like the Prussian and Austrian empires, especially because of the heavy focus on the military. And you mentioned the trains. That's the the Germans were the first to perfect railroads. So, and like I said, Crossbell. Again, I said it's kind of like Singapore. That's actually not a very bad description because I don't, I don't know if any of you guys know anybody who's ever been to Singapore. Singapore is basically this highly cosmopolitan city that's like on the coast. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a coastal town. It's near the ocean. Um, and it's like very wealthy. Crossbell is actually very wealthy for a city-state compared to the other places. And it's also very... Uh, ethnically diverse, like they have a whole um, there. There's like whole parts of the city that are basically like Asian towns, even though they're not called Asian towns because they're mostly people from the Republic uh, who immigrated there. And the Republic is largely inspired by like Taiwan um, and the Republic of China and places like that. So yeah, culturally they're all very different, um, and that plays into the story too because this is one of the, this is one of the, uh, pretty much one of the only major JRPG franchises that heavily gets into, like, socio-political themes. <clears throat> yeah, and for, for, for the sake of, like, like you know, not uh, delving too far into the history of it, especially for those who, have, who haven't played the series before, the reason why these particular two releases are important is the fact that, Again, these are games that are that, that graced the PSP in 2010. So, you know, that was obviously 11 years ago. Why would you care? Um, when you look at the, the timeline in general, uh, these are two really important pieces that were never westernized. We yeah. had the first three games in uh, Trails in the Sky with 1, 2, and 3. And then we had Trails of Cold Steel 1, 2, 3, 4, which actually um, definitely are playable on their own, but you wouldn't be able to understand... Um, the full uh, weight of what's going on without understanding what happened with the Crossbell incident. And they only went over it from one perspective. And the beauty of the Trail series is that they are, not only do they take place um, on different continents, but you also get to see um, different points of view uh, from those continents. Like uh, Trails of Cold Steel 4, as I mentioned on the podcast and in my review, this is pretty much the like Avengers Endgame. Like, playing mm-hmm. that game... Uh, and without playing the rest of the series, it's like starting the MCU with Endgame, which really wouldn't make any sense at all. And mm. having these two games really allows us to have that bridge uh, to go into uh, Trails, Trails into Reverie, which uh, we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. And um, not only that, but it really allows us to just um, experience it all as a whole. Like one of the main reasons why, you know, Brandon, myself, and Patrick really try to sell this series is so we could we, we could get these two Western games or these two games Westernized. And I yeah. feel like we finally did it. Um, as soon as I heard this announcement on Twitter, like during my vacation, I stopped what I was doing and made sure that I had, you know, 10 p.m. Uh, Pacific, you know, marked out just so I could see what was going on. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like I'm hyped. And the, the, the cool thing about these, these two games is that um, the translation is being headed by Geofront, 
who were mm-hmm. the main, uh, who is the most respected fan translation for the games before they were officially westernized. So yeah. it's good to see that Falcom and NIS America uh, was willing to work with people that you know took the time out of their their days and lives to go ahead and um, localize something that they clearly didn't have to do. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's good to see them be rewarded for it. Um, at the and at the end of the day, yeah, they did have to like uh, remove their translations from the website, but you know that's part of the deals and compensation here. But now we know that the translation is going to be put in good hands. A lot of people complained about um, a lot of entries in the series um, that um, NIS America and even Exceed um, have had that didn't have the best translation. And now we know that you know we don't have to worry about it as much. Yeah. Um, they're going to be under tight lock and key. And that's part of the reason why you see a fall 2022 release here. Like, honestly, these games can be released right now, especially with the fact that they're going to go with the Japanese dub over finding uh, English voice actors. So mm-hmm. that, that, that just shows that, um, you know, the people who actually came up with the material are definitely going to have um, their hands all over it to make sure that we get a good uh, Western release. The thing that's interesting to me, though, is the fact that um, while we get Trails from Zero in 2022, that leaves these three other Trails games in 2023, and that's a lot. These games oh. are extremely long. So, mm-hmm. yeah, going into Nayata Boundless Trails, I'm actually surprised this one even got localized, because this one actually has no connection to the series. But it, um, in fact, it's kind of a spin-off to Trails, which was already a spin-off to Legend of Heroes. This game is actually um, an action-based uh, uh, combat game, uh, very similar to the East series, uh, mm-hmm. except that there it, it takes place in the Trails universe, away from what's currently going on. Yeah. Uh, so again, I'm surprised we're getting that one. And then to end it with Trails into Reverie, um, like Brandon said, like this is pretty much the bridge that goes into the next arc that takes place in um, what's it called, Calvert. Yeah, the, uh, so the, 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 the Calvert game is actually coming out in Japan uh, sometime this year, whereas uh, Trails into Reverie actually came out a year or two ago in, 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 uh, in Japan. So that game pretty much uh, puts everything that happened to Crossbell and Erebonia to a close so that it can, they, well, we can transition into the next part of the series. But what's unfortunate here is the fact that we have to wait two years for it when you know the game was, is already like about two years old. In Japan, so that kind of puts us further behind um, Japan as to like you know uh, really be in sync for for the whole world to understand what's going on with the story, um, and it's really unfortunate considering like games like you know Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy, Persona are each seeing worldwide releases, and uh, yeah, Falcom's not quite there yet, but you know hopefully they will soon. And uh, the fact that these uh, four titles got the attention they got on Twitter and social media means that. Yeah, uh, NIS America uh, better take this series seriously, and it, and it, pe- it appears they have because, you know, before this, uh, it was just a Skya. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah, the reason why we're kind of excited about the whole Calvard arc starting is because up to this point, we've only we've not really gotten any real information or really even seen what life in the Calvard Republic is like. Um. We've only ever any the we've only ever gotten the best we've ever gotten is we've gotten we've either had a party member or two who was in the Calvard Republic at some point, uh, or we have you know met uh, like a like you know in Erebonia you know they have a Calvard ambassador at an embassy and we met them 
And we've met the the sort of Calvar towns that you'll see in various parts of like places like Crossbell. That's literally and then, you know, on occasion we've encountered like Calvar military, but we've never actually gone into the Republic proper. So Yeah, and then uh, as a as a final sticking point to like, you know, further sell people on this series is um yeah, I'm I'm happy all of these are being released, and and like I said, like uh, making sure Trails from Zero and Trails to Azure got westernized was definitely uh, a goal of uh, mine and many other people. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised that uh, we haven't seen um, ports of the PC version of the Trails in the Sky games to either PS4 or Switch, um, because it's kind of weird. Like you you look at the Switch for example, the Switch is is a haven for JRPGs. They mm-hmm. even have Trails of Coast Till 3 and 4. The problem is, like I said, you wouldn't want to start the series with those games. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that they don't even have 1 and 2 is kind of, is kind of concerning. And, um, and all, honestly, uh, the Trails in the Sky games shouldn't be that hard to port. So um, I don't know if it's, uh, uh, if it's something where the NS America has to wrestle it out out of, out of the hands of Xseed because Xseed doesn't have um, uh, demo units for the, for the PS4. But honestly... Th- th- this series can't really grow in the West unless they have the uh, the whole thing accessible, and the only way to do that is to have a PC. And unfortunately, yeah. not everybody does. So yeah, all right, that's it for trails. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun to see all of that coming out uh, and having almost everything on one platform. Mm-hmm. This PC will be the only platform that has all of it. Yep. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, PS4 and Switch should definitely. Have versions of those old games, uh, the, the Trails in the Sky series, mm-hmm. uh, especially if they can get you know the save transfer stuff working on that, yeah. uh, in some form. But uh, also, you got like almost a year and change to get caught up before mm-hmm. these new games start coming out. Uh, get through seven games; it's not hard. Yeah, the the main thing, honestly, is just going to be the translation because every NPC has at least three blocks of uh, dialogue, and um, we've we've talked about it before. Like the the first Trails in the Sky uh, had like uh, me- members of their cast like committing suicide because of sixteen uh, hour days for three years straight and not much of a return because the game wasn't that popular when it first came out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Let's go to another long-running uh, franchise. Uh, Final Fantasy IX mm-hmm. is going to be getting an animated TV series mm. uh, from a French studio. Yeah. Uh, Cyber Group Studios. That'll be working with Square Enix. And it seems like this is them just announcing the initial deal. So when you get the actual uh, series, uh, nobody knows. They say they're going to Hope to begin production by the end of the year mm-hmm. uh, or the beginning of next year at the latest. But yeah, that's going to be interesting to see like a, and see if it's going to be anime style, or if they're going to try to be more uh, like the, the game itself, which isn't that heavily anime styled, mm-hmm. uh, at least not compared to the, the games that would follow mm-hmm. in the series. Yeah. Maybe uh, get some cool stuff done there. Because that's one that doesn't get as much attention as the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be fun to see whatever that looks like. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
they'll see like its art style at least. Because um, I mean, they, they could still go for a sort of anime sort of art style. Because I mean, plenty of Western animators have already done that. But yeah, you never know. They might want to put their own spin on it. We'll see. Yeah, I'm so, actually surprised that it hasn't already been done. I mean, FF9 is super old. So yeah, but when Square's making you know, other media of their games, it's pretty much only been seven that they've gone after mm-hmm. for other properties and 15, I guess. Yeah. Which blew up in their faces yeah. a bit. Nine mm-hmm. is definitely an interesting choice. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not complaining, but you mm-hmm. know, there are multiple other ways that could have gone about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's get to some news for rich people. Yeah. Uh, oh Microsoft God. introduced their design for Xbox monitors. Uh, working with a couple of companies here, uh, Philips, Asus, and Ace, Acer, mm-hmm. uh, for monitors that will work really well with your uh, new consoles, do Xbox Series X and S. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess this uh, uh, this one here is a 55-inch monitor, which is not typical. It's Kind of the point where you're like, is this more of a TV than a mm-hmm. uh, monitor? But it has all the features you'd want. 4K resolution, 120 hertz, uh, with AMD FreeSync Premium Pro technology, uh, an Xbox picture mode in it, mm-hmm. uh, high contrast HDR with BESA certified display HDR 1000. Uh, yeah, all this kind of stuff. And uh, it'll be out this summer for $1,599.99 U.S. Which is, uh, <laughs> it puts 28 a... inches. What the? F- <laughs> well, this one's 55 inches. Oh, uh, I was being the paragraph. Sorry. But, yeah. Uh, there's the Asus Strix Xbox Edition gaming monitor, uh, 43 inches. That... Uh, Similarly, has 4K UHD visuals, uh, one millisecond moving picture response time. Uh, it also has an Xbox mode for the best color. Uh, same with the, the FreeSync features, uh, HDMI 2.1, mm. all that kind of stuff. Uh, that'll be out. Oh, they don't have a price on this one. Mm. Okay. It's still probably pretty expensive because a 43-inch monitor yeah, it's pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, in comparison, I have 28 inch Acer monitors, uh, 1080p. Like the newer one does up to 75 FPS. Uh, it was like 150 bucks for like reasonable price monitors for you know what I need out of it. Uh, these ones are well above that, so I assume that was probably pretty expensive. But the let's see, the Acer Xbox Edition gaming monitor. Uh, 28 inch here uh, has all the same kind of stuff 4K, 120 hertz, issue by 2.1. Uh, those kind of fancy terms for how good it is. It'll be $949.99 available this fall. As Jesus, that's probably a thousand bucks with tax mm. uh, here in the US. That's uh, a hell of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also mentioned special. Ultra high speed HDMI cables here at the end mm-hmm. uh, to make sure they're HDMI 2.1 cables. Uh, yeah. 
seems like they got the ones here that are very long, 32.8 feet, that are 65 bucks. It's probably not too bad of a price for how long that is. Mm. But yeah, I just got simple like six or ten foot ones from Monoprice for a pretty good like five bucks or something like that. You do not need to spend that much on uh, HMI cables unless you've got special needs for length or whatever. So yeah, if you've got uh, the money to spend on this stuff, I would assume you probably already got really good monitors that might do all that, but uh, for the Xbox uh, features, those might be pretty good. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I would assume you probably invest that much money or less for uh, similar feature sets on TVs. Yeah. That's where that those features are better supported uh, and all that. So yeah, that's a, that's a heck of a thing, but uh, let's get to some good news here. Marvel's I mean, Guardians. I just, I, got, go ahead. I just bought an, uh, I just bought an Xbox series S for my non 4k TV. So mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I, I don't really see much of a purpose to get these right now, but um, yeah, yeah, if you are, I guess. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, let's get to Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, The game is coming out here on October 26th, I believe. Uh, They were talking about, you know, one of the big parts of that, uh, the reveal is all the licensed games in it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mentioned, like, okay, these are going to be impossible to stream because they're seem to be tightly, you know, integrated into the game as part of, you know, Star-Lord's Ultimate and that kind of stuff. But, uh, it seems like the uh, spokesperson for Eidos Montreal mentioned that there is going to be a streaming mode that will disable all the licensed music. I'm curious to see what the what sort of non-licensed uh, music uh, sounds like in that in that game. How it uh, yeah, um, experience. I'm not sure if if it's something you checked out, Chris, but uh, during E3 when they first made their uh, Guardians unveil. Um, Square Enix, well, we're, we're not on their list anymore, so it didn't really affect us, but they actually sent out um, a memorandum or, or, a, or a note to all streamers saying that if you're going to stream our, our press conference, make sure you use this link. And then the link that they provided um, had all the same footage and stuff, but all the music was different, uh, and some yeah. of it was muted. So, like, it, it was just totally bizarre, and um, yeah, uh, the, of course, the version that we saw was, like, the real version, and uh, it's strange. I mean, like this is this is definitely um, uh, the streaming version is definitely something that Square Enix had to do, but it, it, it's it's definitely unfortunate for uh, uh, everybody that it's come out to this point. You know, it's both the gaming industry as well as the music industry just you know waving their dicks around because they don't want their property being on on, on someone else's shit. But you know, it, it definitely affects the quality of uh, the presentation that streamers and even guys like uh, us like want to have to really put out our content because you know how can we really show the 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 real version of what we're playing if we can't even do it um like i was watching some of the other e3 streams you know doing it the quote-unquote right way and the life is strange section of the square enix presentation was muted because they didn't have the right to use uh the music in the game when they had one of their musicians talk about the game in the first place i'm like what They, they, they couldn't figure that out so i don't know it's just really unfortunate that it's come to this point but uh, I I really don't see how this can be straightened out unless like both industries budge. But yeah, it's 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 tough. Yeah, it's definitely a thing that the music industry loves. 
to fight about for whatever reason. Uh, they love to very much get in on this stuff as, you know, any video that I put up that has any sort of licensed music typically has, you know, at least a couple of copyright notes to it. Like, oh, this song uh, is in it and this song and this song. And it's like, yeah, and on we're not trying to make money off of it. Obviously, they'll put advertising and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, you know, on YouTube, especially, you could literally just link to the music uh, underneath the, the video description, which they already do at some points, uh, and especially for trailers for movies and that kind of stuff. They'll literally just link to the, the Google Play, you know, page for that movie or show so you can go buy it. It's like the same thing should be able to be done for the music and make it so it's less punitive for the people that are just uh, sharing content that isn't just a, you know, uh, a rehash of that music. That's actually a, a, a pretty interesting solution, and I'm surprised we haven't thought of that yet. Yeah, it's, it's a thing you'll see for a lot of movies, especially just like, oh, you can rent it now because it's on YouTube, technically, to pay for that kind of stuff. But yeah, Twitch has a harder time with that, especially as they just let people stream stuff, and a lot of people gotten used to streaming music mm. as like background, that kind of thing, which is why they have their own like royalty free library for people to use for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously people still try and figure out ways to get through that in any sort of, uh, you know, open world game with radios, that kind of stuff. Uh, it seems like it'd be smart for devs to have some way of, uh, automatically pulling that stuff out of there to minimize, you know, headaches for those people, uh, who are just trying to, you know, play the game, share them with people and, have a good time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the music industry is not like people having good times when their music is, is involved. Uh, it's been true for 20 plus years at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And for some reason, we just don't know how to update our freaking our, our freaking IP laws in a way that we can we can accommodate shit like this. But like all this being said, like, are people even allowed to stream Tony Hawk's Pro Skater? Yeah. I wonder yeah, how, they, how, how that got be, worked out. You have to be very careful about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't streamed it. I don't. I assume Giant Bomb has, but I think they also have special privileges on Twitch mm-hmm. to get around that kind of stuff. Uh, so I don't know necessarily what sort of goes into that. But uh, yeah, that's uh, it's those kind of games that are kind of uh, interesting with the the way that. DMC stuff is going on with Twitch. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good to see devs kind of realizing that and building these sort of options into their games. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's get to probably one of the weirdest stories of the week. One of those stories where it's like, what the fuck were you people thinking? Yeah, there's a press event held for a game called Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, made by developer CI Games. Yeah. Uh, they were hosting an event in California at like a military uh, themed like training park. Yeah. And the, the, the studio, I believe, is actually from Poland. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, these sort of things have happened in the past where, you know, if you're releasing like a military shooter, you kind of bring press out to 
you know, some sort of event where you're like, oh, let's, you know, let your, you know, ride around in a helicopter, mm-hmm. you know, get into, you know, like a, one of those sort of vehicles with a, a turret in it and let you shoot that out in the desert for a while where there's yeah. uh, no targets or anything. Yeah. Uh, this one decided, hey, let's, uh, let's let this group that holds these sort of events uh, do this, where they gave uh, people a converted M4 rifle that was an airsoft gun uh, and say, hey, you can start shooting at these people that are conveniently dressed in white robes and kefias, uh, sort of looking like Arabs. It was like, uh-oh, and that's when the trouble starts. Yeah, there's somebody at The Gamer uh, wrote about being at this event and sort of being kind of horrified how casually this was all being uh, treated as, you know, just like, oh, just shoot at these people that look like, that are dressed up like uh, Arab people. Mm. Don't seem to be enemies of any kind, but, uh, you know, uh, the weird thing is also that the CI Games put out an apology that was in all caps, which is like, that's, you don't want your apology to look like you're yelling at people. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't necessarily convey the sincerity of the message that you have. Yeah. Uh, Especially for something like this. I'm trying to pull it up here. It's a little hard to read, but uh, Bay says uh, we were deeply disturbed to read the report from the Gamer website with regards to the live event held to support the launch of Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts 2. Mm-hmm. CI Games abhors racism of any kind, and as a Polish studio based in Warsaw, we have absolutely no affiliation with any U.S. political party or movement. I think also part of the the article is that uh, when they got there uh, on a flagpole was a Trump 2024 uh, flag. It's like, oh God, yeah. I was like, what the hell is this? Uh, saying it felt like a very hostile uh, area to be in. Mm-hmm. Especially because it's all torn up, like it's been there for a long time and faded. Uh, yes, it's Trump twenty twenty four, the Revenge Tour. Yeah, just like a hell of a thing to have hanging around. Yeah, uh, here. Uh, yeah, so very, very suspect about what sort of event this was in. Uh, yeah, this uh, seems like a shitty event to hold, mm-hmm. uh, even if they weren't necessarily directly involved in designing it. They hired an outside company to set up something that would be similar to what the game uh, is about. And unfortunately it went uh, pretty wrong because it seems like the, one of the things they mentioned is like, there's absolutely no affiliation. Uh, Well, yeah, that's uh, it's essentially like, yeah, we don't involve any real, you know, groups. Uh, or countries in in these games, we just have more generic uh, fictional uh, settings and such uh, to avoid any sort of stereotypes or representation issues with cultures of any kind. In that, so that makes sense. Seems like the major problem was hiring a group and not being a hundred percent aware of what sort of thing they would set up. Uh, which, of course, when you get uh, the quotes. The launch event took place on an authentic military training base in San Diego and aimed to replicate how real U.S. Navy SEALs train, featuring uh, standard military procedures and techniques. 
She's like, that doesn't really make it any better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the military is just doing weird, like, uh, you know, carnival type events. So like, no, just shoot the moving targets, even mm-hmm. though they're looking like, you know, random Arab people that you might see in the Middle East. Yeah. Seems like a shit show all around. Uh-huh. And sort of thing that shouldn't be happening in 2021. No. I... God, it, it was just... it's. It, it doesn't help that, like, Poland itself is having, like, issues with, like, its far right being on a resurgence itself. Then they end up, like... Uh, I want to think that somebody somewhere, some maybe some wires got crossed or... You know, they tried to do their diligent research and it just didn't show, you know, and it didn't show that, you know, this group would be responsible for doing anything. It just doesn't reflect well on them at all. It really doesn't. Yeah, especially for a game like this that does not, you know, uh, really stand out too much in the the gaming landscape. Mm -hmm. It's a fairly niche series uh, for the most part. Uh, especially compared to like Sniper Elite, that mm-hmm. has kind of grown quite a bit compared to this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they say here, unfortunately, due to the pande- to the pandemic, our team was unable to travel to the event from Europe, so we weren't able to engage directly in the running of the event. As a result, certain decisions were overlooked. The event was conducted in a way that is not in line with our thinking or beliefs. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, that very much seems like what happened here. So they hired a company. To run this, they weren't necessarily as hands-on as they should have been, mm-hmm. especially physically being there. Uh, and they came up with a, an event that's uh, just all-around shit. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunately the risk why you hold this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And probably shouldn't have held it in the first place. Yeah. Uh, especially when we're just coming out of a pandemic like this. Like, mm-hmm. If you can't be there in person... Probably shouldn't be holding the vent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <sighs> hey, another military game got heat for this kind of thing instead of uh, Six Days in Fallujah. So, those days right. are probably breathing, breathing a little bit better for now. Yeah. Ugh. But, yeah, that is uh, that's going to be it for uh, the show this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back... Maybe not next week. Uh, I might be moving into a new place. Uh, I'll let you guys know if that gets uh, locked down. Uh, but we might be taking a break for the Fourth of July weekend. Uh, yeah, both of our shows depends on who's got a hangover or not. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, uh, for yeah, now, I, I had no idea that was next week. Holy shit! Okay, is. Sunday. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I got Monday off. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, so that'll be it for the show this week. Uh, if you enjoy the show, let uh, friends and family know. Yeah. Uh, spread the word. Uh, get the good word out there. And uh, we'll be back next time for a new show. Uh, thank you to Brandon and Dan Reb uh, mm-hmm. for joining this week. And yeah, we'll be back next time. Have a good one.